شر الوسواس الخناس وسواس comes from the word waswasa which means low voice low noise low voice we'll talk a little bit more about what waswasa means but for, for now it's it's a, it's a low voice it's lower while hams is whispering waswasa is lower than whispering but it also implies the meaning of persistence something that is persistent continuous pressing and doubt and confusion min sharr al waswas al khannas khannas means that which comes and goes al khunus it comes from the word khunus or khanasa khanasa means to hide khunus means to retardness being late to hold back so if i'm approaching your house in a group of people and i sort of stand back to the side so you don't really see me that's khunus i'm there but i'm not really there i'm present but not really present okay after qul a'udhu rabbin nas malikin nas ilahin nas min sharri waswasi khanas then we now ask allah to refuge from the evil of what from the evil of the whispering incessant voice that comes and goes now in literature you find plenty of material that tells you basically it is the evil of the devil and you have hadith from the prophet just as the one that says that the devil sits on the hearts of the sons and daughters of adam and if they become forgetful waswas waswas he starts whispering to them and if they mention allah khannas khannas the hides there are there are hadith like that in other words that when you forget mentioning allah the devil whispers to you pressures you pressures you and when you mention allah the devil retreats and in the statements of the companions it used to be said the expression in arabic ar-raji'a bil waswasati ala al-hawa al-kharij bil waswasati fi al-yaqeen that the devil when you are in a whimsical state comes to you but when you are in a state of certainty yaqeen yaqeen certainty a repose of, of of assuredness and knowledge that the devil hides from you and 
there is no doubt that the devil is being is one of the things targeted in this verse. But the expression of waswas al-khannas is quite fascinating. Because the Quran talks about the devils of the devils that are humans and the devils that are jinns. And in the same verse we talk about Jinnati Wallah. The devils of the Satans of humankind and jinn kind. And also elsewhere the Quran talks about the waswasa of the nafs to itself. And consequently, it is not the waswas, the wimp, the whispers, for lack of a better term, of the devil that alone that is being targeted, but your own self talking to itself. And it is fabulous that in this context, the, the eloquence of the phrase is remarkable. It is as if yourself approaches you, causing a state of doubt, uncertainty, and confusion. Because as we said, waswasa is a state, state of delusion. And we'll talk about this in a second. State of delusion. And then, takhnas retreats to leave you alone only to approach you again. Note here while in Qul A'udhu Rabbil Falaq we talked about categories of evil and then we talked about what human beings, what type of evil is committed, actions of evil that is committed by human beings. Blowing on the knobs and envy. Here we are talking now, categories of good, of the divine. But then the very heart of, well, where, where do the actions of evil come from? What is at the heart of them? What brings them about? And this is an extremely significant point. Is that your entity, your very soul, as we'll talk about in one second, is capable of constant delusional states that come and go, in, whether it is induced, self-induced or induced by the devil really doesn't matter. But the distinction between Someone who lives in a state of such evil as to blow, blow upon knots, for example, or to envy, or, or to engage in envious behavior or in an envious state of mind. Such people are placed in such a situation because of succumbing to the onslaught of the Wiswas, which is a delusional state. Note, for example, the verse after that, when it says, 
What is the muwasmus here? In Arabic, when someone is loony, crazy, we call them al-muwasmus. Even in colloquial Arabic, we say, this man is muwasmus. What does that mean? Sort of paranoid, crazy, delusional, doesn't know fact from fiction. And in fact, they used to say, the, the exact translation doesn't matter. Is that the waswas, which comes, and that means that that does the waswas in the very chests of people. The source of most evil, the source of most decrepitness, the source of the types of evil that we encountered in Qul A'udhu Rabbil Falaq, those who sit there blowing upon the knots and those who envy, this source is this delusional state that penetrates upon the consciousness of people through their very chests, chest meaning their souls, their hearts. And what was in Arabic is al-masroor al-mutawahim. Al-masroor al-mutawahim. Masroor means the grief, the happy. Al-mutawahim, the deluded. It is not that you are happy, meaning you are cheerful and a good mood, but that you seem to think you have made sense of your surroundings, you understand your surroundings, but you only think that because you are entirely in a delusional state. Wahm. Wahm is a delusion based on no reality. But think about this for a second. Is Qul Aadhu Rabbil Falaq or Qul Aadhu Rabbil Nas telling me that most evil is created because of revisiting, recurring states of delusion? Well, at the most mechanical point, yeah, of course. I mean, if you're really not deluded, you know you're going to die. You and I know we're going to die. We know that, I mean, and, and deep down, if you ask yourself, you know that when you die, here you are going to be confronted by God. And that all what you've done in terms of accumulate, not even accumulation of wealth, even the hundred bucks you have in the bank or, or your furniture or your car or your career or whatever is going to mean absolutely zilch, but yet a state of delusion if, if you completely absorb this, we would live literally sinless. And we would just literally bid our time till death because here I am, I know that I'm stealing from, from, from 
the trust that was given me, but I know that the next time they do inventory, they're going to discover the discrepancy, the shortage, and just a matter of time before I'm fired. If I'm being completely rational and not delusional, I either not steal or I skip town and not wait till they do inventory and discover the shortage. But if I'm delusional, I'm going to convince myself that somehow it's going to disappear. The shortage is somehow going to go away. The embezzlement of funds is really not going to matter when the inventory is taken. But yet we commit sin all the time. And we commit sin because of this essentially delusional state. This is the most elementary level. But note that in fact we human beings, for the most part, because note the expression, This is not something occasional. This is not something that will come to you only every now and then when you commit a sin, this seems to be a state of mind that is recurring and continuous. Why is that so then? Why is it recurring and continuous? It's recurring and continuous because it takes human beings quite a bit of effort to prevent themselves from drugging themselves with delusion. Delusion is a form of drug. In the same way that God is the caretaker, is the Rabbin Nas, in taking the flashlight and shining it upon the darkness to fight the darkness away, you need to be the Rabb of yourself. You need to be the caretaker of yourself. Because it takes an active involvement, like taking a flashlight and shining it at the darkness to keep it away, the natural disposition that you have is one of avoidance of pain, or one of avoidance of responsibility, or one of avoidance of seriousness. And consequently, your mind, in the same way that it constructs realities all the time, I mean, if I, for example, drive in a neighborhood, my mind is actively constructing a reality. Whether this neighborhood is upscale or low scale or a, a, a high class area or not a high class area, a prestigious area or not a prestigious area, my, if you think about it, there is really no inherent reality to any of this. I mean, why something is upscale or low scale is completely a human construct. It, there is nothing inherent in this. Reality is completely constructed reality. But the nature of human being is that in the same way my shirt could be an indication of my hipness or an indication of my backwardness is nothing inherent in the shirt. I could be wearing a shirt with five sleeves. Whether this is insane, hip, depends entirely on the construction of reality that we engage in as human beings. We human beings construct reality consistently, constantly. We construct realities of our relationships. So, for example, 
and, and this unfortunately happens, I mean, uh, if you, if you may, may God uh, prevent you from ever experiencing it. But a certain person could be the world in your eyes. But something takes place in which you reconstruct, this is the same person, doing the same things, acting in the same way. Their smile, their touch, their, 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 their voice, their thinking hasn't changed at all. But yet you construct the reality that now the same person that you used to love so dearly, you can't even stand. Often it's because your circumstances or interests or needs or whatever have changed. So now you have an incentive to construct the reality of the person different than what it was. We human beings engage in this waswas and khannas all the time. It's inside of us. Constantly coming in and needling us to create delusional states of existence, but khannas because it is sleazy and slimy and it sort of lurks, hides in the shadows. It is, if, if you confront it, it doesn't surrender to you very clearly, but goes and hides in the shadows. I mean, let's say if, like, for example, I decide that one of the things I look at is what a person is driving. What level car they drive. This helps me, and let's assume that I'm a woman and I'm, or a man, that I'm sort of deciding who I'm interested in, who I'm not interested in, and all that stuff. In one of these, and let's say I confront myself with this reality. And I say, you know, I'm, I've noticed that I'm always making note of what this person is driving. And in utter disgust with myself, I say, I, okay, I, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna stop doing this and I'm not gonna notice anymore. This is a waswas, delusional state of evil. And the, the Rabbin Nas, Malikin Nas, Ilahin Nas would not accept this. Now, when I confront myself, I, I simply create the Khannas. In what sense? In that, this delusional state doesn't is not erased. It doesn't disappear. It simply hides and lurks. Never feel confident that you've gotten rid of your delusions, regardless of what they are, regardless of how egregious they are. Because often people who, you know, they come and say. No, but uh, there are certain delusions that so evil, it's incomprehensible, inconceivable. No delusions disappear. No, what I'm saying is that you are all, always under a state of seize by delusions, which requires an active effort. Well, the, the active effort is then the... the the relationship of submitting to, which we're going to get to, but anyway, Rabbin Nas, Malikin Nas, Ilahin Nas. That you understand fully that the only way by which you can ward off 
delusion. Because what does the Quran say? Qul a'udhu bi rabbi nas. Qul I seek assistance. So it tells you. It tells you right there what you're supposed to do. And it's that you understand that God is your caretaker and through moments of falaq is, is these moments where you become aware of your delusions. These, these moments of enlightenment. And then, if you adhere to Malik al-Nas, i.e. adhere to the Sharia, to the laws of right and wrong, and recognize God as Malik al-Nas, I will say this for the end, but I'll throw it in and then I'll repeat it at the end again. By doing so, you avoid then agony of the onslaught of these delusions, at least within a certain structure. You avoid what? You avoid is Do you see the similarity between the, the sort of slimy spread of evil and the state of delusions that overcome you and then go and lurk in the dark, hide away from you? What is the answer? Malikimness. These two, recognizing God as your caretaker, as your upbringing, as your parent, use Christian simplicity. And recognizing God as your Malik, your Lord. Lord in the sense of lawgiver and distinguishes between right and wrong. Then poses you in a relationship where God becomes your Ilah, your deity. And then the act of surrender. So in other words, the picture created by these two surahs is one in which, if you, if you try to like, if you imagine yourself an artist drawing a picture of what these two surahs tell you, you literally get a picture of, there are all types of darkness. I mean, it's like exactly if I turn the lights off here, what happens to this house? But covered by darkness. It seems that the state of nature of things is the absence of good, unless I put good in there. So in which there is which this, this enormous vast of darkness, in fact, this enormous state of non-existence, of a void, absolute void. Because even if you think about it for a second, without God, there's nothing but the void. And human beings, in this, in, in, in a corner of that, and that corner literally being sheltered by God, if they accept God's shelter. And then you can overcome these dangers. And if you say, if you sit back and you, you go over and read these surahs in their trans, even the translation, you say, yeah, basically what these surahs are saying is, there are a lot of evils in this world, and your only real protector is Allah. But it is important to understand, for our purposes, to understand the mechanics of these evils and the connections that the surahs make. And that is why the, the companions, and, and if you remember last halakha also, we read that Ibn would say that if you truly understand these verses, you would need nothing else. Because then you truly understand that it is not simply a matter of, you know, praying 
Fajr or whatever, and Allah, I seek your protection, please help me and so on. But it is being dynamically engaged with Allah day in and day out, every hour, every minute, being wedded to Allah. I mean, sort of like uh, what Rabah al Adawiyah, the Sufi uh, woman, you say that in, in a sense, being married to Allah, of constantly in a dynamic, interactive relationship, posing the question of what is being demanded of me by the others, and what do you want of me? And then from that, what space can you give me to find myself in? Because then God helps you ward off the demands of others which creates the space for you to find yourself. Because as long as God doesn't, and as long as others basically you live in response to the demands of others, there is no you. There is no self. And it is only through the space that Allah creates for you that you can find yourself for the first time. And then you discover that yourself is nothing more than, than just simply a, a, a symbolic, magnanimous example of Allah's beauty. And then that's something else. But let's, let's go on with, with the, because I, it's important to finish the, the technicality of the surah itself. Okay, so then you must know that these, as I said, that these delusions don't die, they lurk, very much like you cannot say darkness dies. I mean, it is insane if I come and I put very strong light in this room to then come to the conclusion, well, guess what? There is no more darkness in this house. No, there is no more darkness as long as the light is on. It doesn't take away from the power of light. It's just the reality of, 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 of light and darkness. And understand, because this is, if you truly absorb this point, you, whole, you reach a point of true fala, true transition to a new state of consciousness. Understand the power of delusion on the human soul. Your ability, remember when I told you about this guy, for example, from, from San Francisco last time. This is very much the idea of al-ghasaf al-jawaqa. Your ability as a human being to reconstruct realities in order for them to fit, in order for them to, to serve a relationship away from Allah is, is ever present and is ever powerful. Mina jinnati now, notice here there is a very interesting point. Now, jinn and, and, and humans. It mentions jinn. Jinnati means what? Jinn. And anas means human beings. What is it exactly that we're asking for? Mina jinnati wa nas. What are the possibilities? That the waswas, the khannas, the whispering evil force or the devil, comes and whispers to the jinn and to humans. It's one possibility. The second possibility is what though? That the, what does the Quran mention elsewhere? 
Shayateen al-Ins al The whispers, right? That the devil's, the Shayateen al-Ins al means what? The Satans of jinn and the Satans of humans. Here, this is the word of the Quran. Here, this answers the question. Can the jinn be devils? Well, the, the devil, Satan himself, is a jinn. So the answer is yes, right? The jinn can be devils. How about humans? Can humans transform themselves through, here, very important, through the state of succumbing to Aswas and Khamnas and the Ghasiq Iza Waqab and become those who commit the Nafathat for Uqab and become the embodiment of Hasid and Iza Hasad. Can they then transform into a devil? The Quran says yes. Here, they are no longer just human. They are no longer just human. They are human plus. Like, can you say Satan is just jinn? No. Satan is no longer just jinn. Satan is jinn plus. And humans can have the ability to transform in the same way. Guess what? You hear about you know, serial murderers who kill 130 people. And you ask yourself, how? It's the same way that if you come and imagine if Satan goes on a killing spree. You'd expect at least the casualty list to be 130 or more. At least. If you've ever had the great displeasure of meeting one of these people, or who people are truly evil, you're struck by the fact that their eyes seem to be no longer human. And that is exactly true. The reason they managed to kill so many, so many humans is that their powers do not reflect simply the physiological powers of a human being. As much as we like to, to, to deny it, but it is remarkable that when one meets someone who's truly evil, and I'm not talking about evil like someone who, you know, at work, who steals a lot of money or whatever, stuff like that, major sins. I'm talking about those who become jinn, shayateen and insurgent, the devils of, of, of humankind and the devils of the jinn. The transformation process that takes place because someone can engage in a complete state of illusion. I mean, one of Anwar yesterday saw me buy a book on serial murders, and one of the fascinating chapters I was reading last night is that serial murders live in a state of delusion. And I said this was good by Allah because we're going to talk about is the earmark of a serial killer is this, is this absolute state of delusion. That exactly, I mean, the book was told me that these people have been overcome by Waswat al-Khannaf. That's all, all it's really saying, is that these human beings have become completely overcome by the Waswat al-Khannaf and constantly transformed. 
Okay. The third alternative, go back to قُلْ أَعُوذُ بِرَبِّ النَّاسِ مَلِكِ النَّاسِ قُلْ أَعُوذُ بِرَبِّ قُلْ أَعُوذُ I seek the refuge مِنْ أَجِنَّةِ وَالنَّاسِ That here, the third alternative is that it is saying, I seek refuge from Allah against both the jinn and humans. In other words, it is as if saying, all these humans who, are going to, who might hurt me, although all these jinn who might hurt me, I seek refuge from Allah. To protect me from it. it. In my view, it means all three. I mean, I don't, I don't believe that the Quran necessarily needs to become molded into a single meaning. It means, in my view, that I seek refuge from Allah, the, the whisperings of the devil, which he throws into the hearts of both jinn and humans, and I seek refuge from Allah from the devils, the devils of jinn and humans. And I seek refuge from Allah, from the jinn, not here the, necessarily the evil, but from the harm, the hurt, that could befall me from the jinn and from humans. So, I mean, I can't call someone who re- the, the guy who rear-ended us in Austin a devil, but I definitely can read from Nas as seeking refuge from the type of harm that could come from the likes of him, and entirely feel justified in the same way that. But I read from Nas when I go and visit the prison and I see people that are truly have tra- have transcended or has descended, depending on your perspective, beyond the level of humanity, as I know humanity or know a human being to be. The, the first possibility is it's, it's not that you seek refuge when you say, it's as if you say, But, I mean, it's, while you look in the books of Tafsir, you'll find that that's often the, the, the meaning most often endorsed. In my view, it's at least likelier because of grammar. Because if you why? I mean, that's redundant. Because you just said, makes no sense, right? But nonetheless, that's the one that I most often endorse. I think it's the least likely one. I think the last two are the much most likely one.